Thank you, Jesus. So thankful for the Lord today. So thankful for the Lord. And while you're standing this morning, uh, one, uh, two verses of Scripture, actually, this morning, 2 Timothy 4 and 2, uh, we've, we'll finish up this series on faithful to the truth. We've been uh, gleaning from the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. And today we'll finish up uh, with these scriptures, 2 Timothy 4 and 2. Paul's encouraging Timothy to preach the word. Man, just you can just stop right there. Just preach the word. Man, don't preach anything. Just preach the word. If you preach the word, you're, you're preaching him. He is the word made flesh that dwelt among us. Preach the word. Preach Jesus Christ, him crucified. Preach, 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 preach. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. But if you're going to preach, you need to remember this, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Too many people just preaching, not enough people studying. (laughs) Well... A lot of people love the idea of the preacher's life. They think we sleep late and eat fried chicken and play golf. That's about the extent of it, you know. That's, but uh, there's, a, uh, there's one writer in the Old Testament, I believe it's at the end of Ecclesiastes, said the preacher sought out acceptable words. If you're going to preach the word, you need to study to show yourself approved unto God. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to know what it means. You need to study the Word of God uh, and not just put on a suit and stand behind a pulpit, but you need to know what you're going to preach. You need to preach the Word. You need to preach the Gospel. You need to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified or nobody's going to be getting saved. we got enough motivational speakers in the world. We need preachers, evangelists, pastors, teachers, We need apostles. We need people standing up preaching the word. Praise God. So today we're going to talk about in season and out of season. And just like Paul encouraged Timothy, we must be faithful to proclaim the gospel, the truth of God's word to other people as well. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you so much. Thankful for the word of God today. Thankful, Lord, that we can be used by you to be a light shining in this world. Let us receive this word into good ground today. Let us be inspired by it, challenged by it. Let us do your work. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap before you're seated this morning. What a great God. Love it. Love his word. Praise God. You can be seated. Love the word of God. I love to preach. But if I wasn't a preacher, I'd still love his word. Because it doesn't matter, all saints, all people, we live, uh, the scripture says, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I love God's word. It is a light to my path and a lamp unto my feet. It is so powerful that I can hide it in my heart and it will keep me from sinning against God. That's man's nature. The word of God is so powerful it can change your nature. You know that? The Bible says we've been made partakers of the divine nature, uh, that we were at one time a 
wild olive branch, but now we've been grafted into the good. And, and that's our new birth experience. And we're born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, the word of God. Man, doesn't that tell you something about your brand new life, your newborn, new birth life? If it comes by incorruptible seed, it can't be corrupted if you'll live by it. The word of God can't be corrupted. It can be, they can change it and erase it and say, but it, but it's forever settled. And so it doesn't matter what they erase or what they add or take out. It won't change God's word. And, and if we will live by God's word, we can live uncorrupted. We can, we can live in this world. I know that we're going to uh, have the opportunity to mess it up every day. But I'm telling you, if you are living by the word, you ain't messing up. <laughs> I hate to take it. I, I, why do we hate to say that so much? Why is it so scary to us to say, hey, if you just live by the word of God, you won't mess up? Well, because eventually we will, Pastor. Okay. But it, if that happens, you still got a word to get you up. <laughs> if I confess my faults, he's faithful to forgive me. There's no reason for, the, the, uh, for John to write, hey, I write unto you that you sin not. There's no reason to write that if it was impossible. But he said, if we do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so I'm glad that I don't use that scripture as a, oh, I just, hey, well, if I do mess up, I can, you know, too many people know that God is a forgiving God, so they take chances that get them in trouble. I'm not even preaching this lesson yet, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. The reason a lot of people get themselves in trouble is because they know God's forgiven. They know he's merciful and long-suffering, so they take chances that they shouldn't take, and then they end up in a mess. But if you would just say, eh, I'm just going to live by the word. The word of God won't uh, leave you to, to chance. It means what it says. It accomplishes what it's set out to do. And it will work in your life just like it worked in everybody's life in this book. And oh, guess what? They fail sometimes too. But uh, hey, Hebrews 11 is littered with people that made mistakes but still held on to their faith. Hey, Peter... The devil's desired to have you to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. You're going to go through a time that you're going to be attacked and, and uh, things are going to go wrong in your life because you're going to deny me. There's some, a lot of stuff's going to happen, but I'm just praying your faith won't fail. Yeah. That even if you make the worst of mistakes, you won't ever say, hey, I just, uh, I'm not going to follow you anymore, Lord. I want your faith to stay intact. And so uh, I, I want to, uh, I'm thankful for the word of God. So and this is what uh, this is what Paul is, you know, declaring to Timothy and encouraging Timothy and instructing Timothy. Look, preach the word, because listen, it's the word that changes people. It's the word that gets things accomplished. Think about what God has given us when He said, "For my word will not return void." But see, it's not the Lord walking around here preaching anymore it's him preaching through us but his word is still the same as it has always been and if we preach the word it won't return void but it will accomplish whatever it sets out 
to do. It's going to come back. It's going. So I, that's why when we preach repentance and remission of sins, we still see people being baptized in Jesus' name. And, and when we preach that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we still see people filled with the Spirit, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. We still see that happening today because His Word hasn't changed. Despite what people think, tongues have not ceased. It still happens. I've watched three-year-old kids stand at this altar without a soul praying for them, lift their hands in tears, praying, and God fill them with the Holy Ghost. They start speaking with other tongues. I didn't teach them anything. Nobody else was even close to them. They just, tears flowing, worship. Three years old, faith of a child, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children. People say, oh, children don't get there. There's going to be some children in that service today get the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. I pray they come running back down here saying all these kids are filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. We're going to baptize somebody today after church. Going to baptize them in the name of Jesus because his word still works. God has given us what works. So preach the word because it can set the course of history. It can change people's lives. It can The preached word of God has put great spiritual giants in our world. Do you know these people that we look at sometimes as the the greatest preachers we've ever heard or or that they were such pioneers of our faith had to hear somebody somewhere preach the message. You got people like uh, missionaries that are, you, you say names like Nona Freeman. Wow. But you know what? She walked away from God in her teenage years. Had a call on her life to go to Africa and preach and and and, and did it and was served the Lord in Africa, great, uh, wrote books recording the Ethiopian revival and, and things that were going on. And But guess what? She, she didn't come out of the womb preaching. But God called her at an early age in her life. But somewhere, somehow, someplace, she heard, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Somewhere in an altar, somewhere, she lifted her hands and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Somehow, some way, somewhere, it was because the Word of God changed her life. We see people that have great churches and great moves, the, the mangas in Louisiana, different places. But you know what? They're no different than you and I, that somewhere, someplace, they simply heard the Word and they obeyed the Word and they followed the Word and they just did what God asked them to do. But they would have never, if there was no gospel preached, if they never heard it, how can they hear without a preacher? Somebody needs to preach the word of God. Now, let me tell you, your, your occupation may not be evangelist, pastor, missionary, but it ought to be every child of God's passion to, to tell somebody about Jesus. You might never stand behind the pulpit or preach under a tent or put your feet on foreign soil, but it ought to be your passion to tell somebody about Jesus, to let them know that, hey, you're going to run into somebody. God's going to orchestrate uh, a meeting between you and somebody, and, and we never have to be at a loss for words. We never have to be, well, what do I say? What do I do? What, what have I got to offer? Man, let me tell you, God has given you what works, the word. Preach the word, Timothy. It works. 
It heals. It sets free. It saves. It encourages. It lifts up. Come on, somebody. It opens doors. It turns on the light. It feeds people. It helps the Word of God. Preach the Word, Timothy. What I do when I meet somebody, I tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the Word. Tell them about the life-changing gospel. Tell them about the blood. Just preach the Word, Timothy. Preach the Word. Don't, don't try to be clever and cool. And all. Paul, he said, you know what? Hey, man, I, I'm not eloquent. I didn't come with all these big words and fancy words. And, and Paul was smart. I like smart people who can talk to you in layman's terms. You know, that's the way Paul, Paul said, I didn't come at you with big words. I just preached Jesus Christ and crucified and God uh, came in with that demonstration of the Holy Ghost and backed it up. And so uh, that, that word will always accomplish what it's set out to do. Preach the word. You're going to have an encounter with somebody. Preach the word. You man, See, you may tell somebody about Jesus that has an opportunity to tell thousands about Jesus. What about that? What if all I have to my credit is I I did tell one guy about Jesus, and you know what? He got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. That's all I did. Yeah, but he went and preached, and 10,000 people got the Holy Ghost. What? You never know will happen if you'll just preach to somebody. You never know how many people they're going to reach. Or maybe they'll just reach one more and then that one will do. But it's all going to add up together. Somewhere, somehow, you know these men that are preaching to hundreds of thousands of people in other countries right now? Some one person told that person and now they're preaching what they were told. They're preaching what was preached to them because that's what worked. And so they ain't changed it up trying to be fresh with it. They say, hey, you know what? I'll preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And now 100,000 people out in Ethiopia or Malaysia or somewhere are getting the Holy Ghost. They're dancing and singing and worshiping God because they're just preaching the word. They're not offering them any food or money or gifts to go along with it. Hey, they're just saying, here's what you need. You just need Jesus. You just need the word. And, and I'm glad the word works. And so, hey, listen, young man, young lady, when you find you're like, well, I don't know what to preach, just preach Jesus. It's what works. You know, sometimes you'll step in a pulpit or you'll step in a place, you ain't got notes, you ain't got notes. Hey, say something for the Lord. It don't happen as much as it used to, but man, them old time pastors would give you, hey, stand up, say something for the Lord. Well, Peter said you need to be ready always <laughs> to give a, an account, give a reason of the hope that lies within you. you so, if you, man, if you, uh, my, my pastor would say, if, how can you not have nothing to say? How can you not have nothing to say? If you didn't stand up and say, God brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. If you didn't say anything but the blood of Jesus washed me whiter than snow. Man, you're letting somebody know that it's life-changing. Where'd you hear about that? Across the pulpit. Where'd you hear about that? In the altar. Come on, somebody. I'm glad for the preached word. I'm glad that uh, we need to be ready in season, out of season. That's not just whether I feel like it or not. It's when it's convenient or not. What's in or out of season for you is always in season for God. It might be out of season for you, but somebody else is ripe. They're in season. They're ready. They're ready for something to change their life. And, you know, there's a story I love 
because this is what you're going to find in the book of Acts. You're going to find stories of this. Number one, right off the bat, about 3,000 people that simply were changed because Peter preached the word. What did he preach? He preached what Jesus said to preach. Hey, go and preach repentance and remission of sins in my name beginning at Jerusalem. And that's what he preached. They said, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And all those people that believed and that received it, they they gladly received the word, were baptized, and God was just adding to the church daily such as should be saved, and they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and their doctrine was Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was the word. But then you, you read... Through the scripture, you find uh, a, a wonderful example, Philip, uh, a passionate preacher, and he's in a great revival in Samaria, and people are, are being, miracle signs and wonders, people are being baptized, they call for uh, Peter and John, I believe they come down, people, now people are receiving the Holy Ghost, God's doing great, tremendous things, and the Lord says, hey, Philip, leave this revival and take off for the desert. What? Yeah, there's a chariot moving across the desert. This guy's riding in it. You need to go catch him. I got a lot of people here, Lord. I done got a name here. Everybody, Phil, hey, hey, Pastor Philip. Philip. Hey, Pastor Philip. <laughs> Pastor Philip. Woo. Thank you for praying for me. I love that message. Philip, Philip. The desert? Yeah. Go. But you know what? Philip didn't argue. The Bible says, Philip, when it said, arise, he, he said immediately, he got up and he said, go. He said, he took off running. Run and join yourself to that chariot. When he gets there, he finds this Ethiopian eunuch riding across the sands and he's reading. He gets close enough to hear him. I don't know how that worked. I'd love to see it. I don't know how fast that chariot was going and how fast the Holy Ghost was making Philip run. <laughs> you know, just, but he's like, he hears him. He's reading. He said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I except some man would guide me? I need somebody to tell me what's going on here. And, he, and it says he desired Philip to come up with him. And that word desire means like to call to one side for the, for, uh, the purpose of calling somebody to your aid. He said, I need somebody to help me. And uh, it also means comfort. This eunuch was looking for some comfort out of this word, but he didn't understand what he was reading. And so he, uh, he stops the chariot. He gets uh, Philip uh, up into the uh, chariot with him. And he's like, uh, I don't understand what I'm reading. What, what is this? And so Philip uh, takes that scroll and he, he begins. This is what he's reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And, and so he reads this and the eunuch's like, who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? And from the very same scripture, Philip starts preaching Jesus. He just starts preaching Jesus, that Jesus is the Savior. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah. He is the source of our salvation. There is no other name under heaven given whereby we must be saved. I know that wasn't written yet, but that's what he's telling him. And while they're 
moving. He's, he's preaching this word. He's preaching Jesus to this man. And, hey, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? He sees something he realizes. And, and I think maybe he's a little more excited than we understand because, because he's a eunuch. Even though he is uh, uh, sincere in his faith toward God and, and, and he's, he, he's even a convert to Judaism, he can't go in the temple. He can't worship with other believers because he's a eunuch. He, his body is marred. And so he's, even though he loves God and he's sincere in his faith, he's not accepted in the congregation. And he's looking for something to include him. So, hey, here, here's, maybe he's thinking he's going to get the answer. Well, because you're a eunuch, you can't. But instead he hears, if you believe, you can. They stop. They go down into the water. He baptized the Ethiopian. And of course, the scripture says he caught Philip away in the spirit. And the Ethiopian, no one, says he went away rejoicing. He was finally a part of something. What had he, he had loved God, read about God, didn't understand God. But if we don't study to show ourselves approved, how can we help anybody? See, what if Philip didn't pay attention in, in uh, Sabbath service? Well, if he was drawing on the pews during church or something, you know, he, he didn't hear any of this uh, stuff. What if he didn't know about it, but he knew, and he was the person. I, I need somebody to guide me, and Philip was the person. And you have no idea. So we think, well, well, the, the unit just went on his way, and that's it. That's, we don't read nothing else about him. But you can read about him if you read in history. That uh, Philip has no idea that he's fixing to meet a man that was going to affect history in Ethiopia. Now, uh, the scripture says we, uh, that uh, his Candace, the queen, was uh, who he was under, but Candace was not her proper name. That's just talking about her title, that she is the ruling queen. But my wife, Candace, is my queen but he was her treasurer and so uh, this eunuch uh, that uh, think about it, here's another thing now here's this eunuch headed back to Ethiopia how do him and Philip talk what language are they speaking most people think because of Philip's name that he was probably uh, raised uh, in a Greek uh, city and so that he would know Greek that he lived in Gentile lands, even though he was a Jew. And, of course, the, the eunuch, because of the trade routes along the Nile, then that's where they spoke Greek a lot, that he would know Greek. But somehow God sent two people from two different nations, put them together, let them understand one another, and this eunuch could hear the gospel. God connected these people. Listen, God will work out all the kinks when he puts you in touch with somebody. Well, don't send me there, God. I want to listen. If I sent you, I'm going to make sure the lines of communication are going to be open. What do you think these people that took off to another country and can't speak uh, Swahili or whatever it is? What, what do you think they did? Just well, I can't go, God. I know you said to go, but I don't know that. Go. You'll find some way to get this across. It'll, it'll work out. It's going to happen. God's going to make a way. Listen, all these missionaries that come from here to there, most of them didn't know how to speak the language over there. Uh, but they knew how to preach the gospel. 
And God will put somebody, uh, if need be, give you an interpreter. He'll make sure that it works out. Now, saying all that about this, this little eunuch here, he's, he's a man of influence. Why does it scare us to talk to people of influence? It's like we can talk to homeless people about the Lord, but we can't talk to the mayor about the Lord because he's the mayor or he's the president or he's the governor. You don't talk to famous people about Jesus because they got everything. We talk to people in need, but but what if one of these people that, that is followed so faithfully in the world embraced the truth believed it, obeyed it, and began to live it. How many people? Oh, yeah, yeah, they'd probably lose a lot of followers. But look at the venue they have to tell people about the Lord. We should never be, years ago, working for that security company, ADT, I was in Atlanta, working in a little old, I mean a shack on the west side of Atlanta. And uh, here come... uh, this this young lady come out uh, out of the bedroom. She was all dressed up, ready to go somewhere. And her mama said, she's about to go on a date with, I don't know who he was. I can't remember his name now. But he took Deion Sanders' place when he got hurt playing for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a Dallas Cowboy football player. And he, he comes pulling up to the curb, come inside. I'm like, I mean, big dude, you know, he's talking. We're talking for a minute. And I said, hey, man, let me give you some stuff to read on the plane because he's fixing to take her. They're flying back to Dallas. She's going to watch him play that week. I was handing him tracts about baptism in Jesus' name. I was getting him tracts about one God, about when's the blood applied. I had, man, I had all these old tracts. Uh, actually, Brother Stubberfield had written, and uh, I was handing them things out to this guy, and I said, hey, I don't know, but they might have a prayer meeting in the locker room this week. I don't know what's going to happen. don't know what happened to the guy. I knew I'd probably never see him again, but... He was leaving, but I had somehow I had to give him something about Jesus. Hey, if they wadded up and throw it down, whatever. You did what you can do. Sometimes people don't want to hear it. That's all right. You'll learn. You'll understand that. You can knock the dust off your feet and keep moving. But some people, like this eunuch, want to know what it says, and it will change their life forever. Now, you don't read anything else about this eunuch in Scripture, but if you do a historical search, a biblical search, you'll find in the ATS Bible Dictionary that uh, there was also a conversion of Candace, his queen, to Christianity following his return. It was documented by Irenaeus. He was a Greek bishop, lived from 130 to 202 A.D., and Eusebius, an early Christian Historian, Easton's Bible Dictionary also acknowledges the tradition that Candace was converted to Christianity. In fact, that her treasurer went on to become an apostle of Christianity in that region. Wow. How many people did that eunuch reach? I don't know. But Philip, his willingness to go a different way, leave this revival, leave where he was comfortable, leave where he was at, it opened the door. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what was going to happen. He just knew the Lord said go. He heard it. He obeyed it. And this man's life was changed forever. Seems strange. Don't understand that. That's all right. We don't always understand everything that God does. But God does things in a way so that nobody else can get glory for it. 
He does it. He sets it up in a way where there ain't no way possible this happened except it was the Lord, and that's what he did with Philip. He he in this uh, story he he illustrates or orchestrates the inclusion of all races, social status, and capabilities in his church. That's what this eunuch represents. And now the eunuch's reading from Isaiah when he's reading about the Lord, but listen to this: what Isaiah also wrote. In his uh, prophecies, Isaiah 56, 3 through 7 says, Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say. I don't know if he was talking about this eunuch specifically, or maybe God already had him in mind. But don't let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Said he went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch that knew I'm a dry tree. I have no place in this. I know my place. I've been told over and over again. I've been reminded. It's in the, the Mosaic law. I can't go into the temple. I know. But now, oh, those that were sometimes far off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. Woo! And all of a sudden, this guy's got a whole new outlook on life. He, he realizes, uh, hey, I know according to the Old Testament law, uh, eunuchs and strangers were not allowed in the temple. But the Ethiopian eunuch stands as a symbol to all people that have ever been maimed or injured, those who are not whole. God is saying, you are welcome in my house. And he gets this feeling. He gets to understand this. He gets to know this. Why? Because somebody preached the word. Somebody didn't. He, oh, let's see, what can I say to it? Man, he's from Ethiopia. What do I, what I know about Egypt or Ethiopia? What do I know about Africa? Because at that time, anything south of uh, Egypt was Ethiopia. Let's see, what do I know? He didn't have to worry about that. Just preach the word. Your knowledge of that land won't do nothing. Preach the word. This guy wants to know what he's reading. Tell him what he's reading. Tell somebody about the Lord. Yeah. Oh, man. God sent Philip in the desert to meet a eunuch, and he represented every person who had previously been excluded from worshiping God and fulfilling a prophetic word. Listen, Psalm 68 and 31 says this, Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. Well, when's that going to start? may have started with that eunuch. Well, maybe he, maybe he got started telling people, "Hey, what's going on with you, man? What's different about you?" Let me tell you. Let me read you this, and let me tell you about who it is. And now, one after the other, the queen even involved in this. Now, Ethiopia stretching out her hands to God. Philip has no idea he's about to help fulfill this prophetic voice, but it's the word of God. It's the word. And it means what it says. And, and I don't know uh, how, how long it was between the time the psalmist wrote that verse and the time that uh, Philip talked to that eunuch 
And he got on back to Ethiopia. But it was just waiting. It was just waiting to fall in line. Oh, it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. I'm writing this now. I don't know why. Ethiopia, hmm. Well, God knows what he's doing. He's writing it down. And one day, here's this little old guy scooting across the desert in his chariot trying to figure out what he's reading. Next thing you know, he's an apostle in, in Ethiopia. He's changing lives. He's got his queen saved and serving the Lord. Friend, come on. The word of God changes lives. The word of God does great things. The word of God makes a difference. Hey, think about Peter. The Lord telling him, gives him a vision with all these unclean animals, and he says, hey, Peter, rise, slay, and eat. Uh-uh. Not so, Lord. I've never done anything like that. Nothing unclean has ever went to touch these lips. What I've cleansed, don't you call common. Hey, Peter, we need you to come to Joppa. You need to come with us. You, you, or, I mean, not to Joppa, but you've got to come with us to see Cornelius to his house. And uh, He's a centurion. He's a Roman. He loves God. He's a devout man, fears God, gives much alms, prays all the way. He's fasting. While he was fasting, angel of the Lord showed up and said, Send for you, so come on. Tell us words whereby we might be saved. Yeah. So Peter shows up and says, Well, I guess it's obvious that the Lord is not a respecter of persons. I've never stepped foot inside a house of anybody like this, of a Gentile, but here I am. And so while he's preaching Jesus, the Holy Ghost falls and they all begin to speak with other tongues and glorify God. And all the Jews that are with Peter going, what? Look at this. It fell on them just like it did at us the first time. Well then, who can forbid water? that these men should not be baptized. So he commanded them to all be baptized in the name of the Lord. And guess what? There's Cornelius, a man of influence. And here's Peter, used to be a fisherman, preaching and opening the gateway to revival for the Gentiles. You never know what's going to happen when you tell one person about the Lord. That one person is waiting to hear about Jesus. Oh, if we could just tell them. And, and, and like I say, uh, the unit, Cornelius, they both represent people who were never allowed. They, were, they loved God, gave alms, prayed, fasted, did these things, but were never included. But once they knew who Jesus was, was baptized in the one body by one spirit, well, they, they were part. Without the spirit, were none of his, but now with the spirit, you belong to him. You've received the spirit of adoption. Hey, Cornelius, grafted in. Guess what, Ethiopian eunuch, grafted in. Yeah, we're going to come in contact with people, especially in this day, because this book ain't read near as much as it used to be, except among believers. But you're going to find people who uh, reading the Bible, but they don't understand it. They need a spirit-filled interpreter, a teacher. They need somebody that has studied to show themselves approved unto God. Uh, and I'll give you some advice: if you don't know what somebody is asking, don't make up an answer. Just because, well, I'm a Christian, I should know that. If you don't know, say, well, I'm not sure on that. Be honest. <laughs> don't lie about the word. My, my pastor used to tell me, said, if you come up on something, he said, don't ever get up there and start preaching about things you don't know about. 
And so, you know, there was a lot, long time, man, I stayed away. I never preached about gifts of the Spirit, man, because I'd read that stuff and it'd confuse me. And I was like, no, I'm not preaching nothing out of that book. I'm going to stay right here with Jesus and him on the cross and him resurrected. And I'm going to stick to what I, can, what I know. But you, as you learn, as you go, you study to show yourself approved unto God. And then you can rightly divide the word. But if, until you can get to that point, quit trying to divide it. You, you make a mess of it. That, that, that word is a sharp, two-edged sword. And it can hurt people if you're not careful with it. So, listen, we can't save anybody. I know, you know, we know that men don't save people, but God uses men and women to lead people to him so they can be saved. And, and God is still fulfilling purpose in people's life. You know, somewhere today somebody is going to come to God and God's going to use them. There's somebody you and I have never heard of today that has found an altar and they're praying and tears are falling and they're repenting and they're, they're headed to the water somewhere. Somewhere in another country, somebody is going down. down. You know, they're ahead of us right now, so maybe they're out of church. They're already at the river. They're baptizing somebody right now in Jesus' name. They're coming out of that water filled with the Holy Ghost and, and they're fixing to help bring revival in their land. And, and I don't know them and you don't know them, but God knows exactly who they are. Yeah. Just like he knew exactly who this eunuch was and exactly where he would be. And he said, Philip, you know why you're in Samaria? It wasn't just for the Samaritans. It's so you'd have a clear shot across that desert to catch that eunuch. I needed you. Why didn't you send Peter? Why didn't you send John? Because Philip was the one he wanted. Well, wouldn't Peter or John be better for this? Nah, you'll be good for it. We're trying to give somebody else your workload. Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. Pastor can't get everybody. That's why he, I heard somebody say one time, so you know what? Sheep make sheep. So, hey, hey, so our, our, our flocks need to be out there converting people, preaching to people, getting people into the house of the Lord. And, of course, I, I know as shepherd I am still a sheep. I'm still part of the flock. I get that. So I've I, I got more responsibility than just standing here week after week. I get that. But let's not lay back on what God's called us to do. Because the Word of God works. It works all the time. It's, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get there. So whatever seems out of season for us, you know, oh, we, we use it, well, preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season. But a lot of times we just say be instant in season, out of season. And we talk about church attendance and things like that. But he's talking about preaching. Preach the Word. Now the principle can apply to anything. Uh, you need to pray whether you feel like it or not. You need to fast whether you feel like it or not. You need to uh, you know, read your Bible whether you feel like it or not. Those things, you, you need to be instant. But he's talking about preach the word. Tell somebody. Always be ready. First Peter 3.15. I quoted this earlier, but let's read it as we get ready to close. Honey, you can come to the music. He said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's another thing, meekness and fear. None of this finger-wagging stuff. None of this fist stuff, you know. That's, you know and sometimes I know people are just being intense. We're like, but, man, when you, if you're not careful and you're doing that from the pulpit, people think, like you're trying to beat people into submission. When you're doing that, he's pointing people out. But you know, don't, don't be putting your finger in their face and poking them in the forehead, telling them, hey, 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 meekness and love. Be gentle. Be apt to teach. 
Consider yourself who you are, where you are, where you were. You know, remember that, uh, listen, people are hungry. You can, hey, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And, and if, if people can sense you're, you're trying to put the clamp down on them, find a place where you can connect. Find a place where you can uh, start that conversation. Philip heard what he was saying, heard what he was reading, and said, hey, I can, I can work with this because I know what he's talking about. And so he began to explain to him, you know, uh, and you'll be able to tell when people are hungry for it or not. When people are not ready to let go of their own traditions and beliefs and things like that, that's like casting your pearl before the swine. They're just going to trample it underfoot and turn around and, and rend you. It, it can go worse sometimes. So you, got, you need to be able to discern, are they ready to hear what I've got to say? You know, Jesus preached some things, and they said, whoo, that's a hard saying. Who can hear it? John 6 says, and from that time forth, many of his disciples turned and walked with him no more. They wasn't ready, you know, but Jesus knew it. People, if they reject him preaching, don't get your feelings hurt if they reject you preaching. Because, uh, well, they, they didn't listen to Jesus. May not listen to you and me sometime either. Don't, don't feel like, well, I'm a failure. Must not be doing it right. Well, ain't nobody could do it more right than Jesus did and people still walked away. They still crucified him. But we must be willing in this day. Because see, this, this last day, you stand with me. One place, Paul told Timothy, he said there'll come a day where they're going to be heaping teachers unto themselves, having itching ears. They, they just want to hear what makes them feel better. Even today in church, even in apostolic church, you find it that people reject sound doctrine and would rather accept lifestyles and practices that the Bible clearly defines as sin. Clearly, it's been taught that pastor preaches it, and yet they still do what they want to do. We just have to preach the Word. We must be willing to teach what is right convincingly, with conviction. We cannot honor or approve what is wrong, but we must keep encouraging people to do right. But you do that with wisdom. You patiently feed them with the word of God as they are ready to receive it. Jesus said it, and it'll work. If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. So just, uh, hey, just keep lifting him up. Keep lifting him up. Keep lifting him up. Everybody's not going to respond the way you hope, but Jesus sees what you're doing and your work for the Lord. It's not in vain. It's going, to, it's going to be a blessing to somebody, somewhere, somehow. But most of all, it'll be a blessing to you when you can say, I have finished my course. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And you hear him say, well done. Praise God. Let's lift our hands this morning. Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, we do want to be faithful to the truth. We want to stick to your word, God. Live by the word of God. And Lord... When it's time for us, we want to preach that word. Tell somebody about your grace and mercy, about your love and compassion, about the blood that washes whiter than snow. We love you today, God. Help us to listen, to hear what the Spirit would say, to be ready 
to make those divine appointments, those connections with somebody that will change the world. Blessed be your name forever, Lord. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand clap today. What a great God. What a great God. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of people, a lot's been said around here about testimonies and the word of our testimony. That's some of the best preaching you'll ever do because you wouldn't have a testimony without the word. Tell people what Jesus did for you. That's a good opener every time. God bless you. Let's pray before the next service. Get ready for God to do some great things. Amen.